I'm Josh Cooperman, and this is Convo by Design, recorded in the Living Kitchen Studio. This conversation was actually recorded in the real Living Kitchen Studio inside the Santa Monica Snyder Diamond Showroom. Chris Barrett and I had a great conversation, and I learned some things about the business side of design that I think you will really appreciate. As you listen to this episode, you're going to hear about some of the fundamental differences a creative must address as it relates to working for a big firm or going off and starting their own. Never before has this been so important, truly. There is security working for someone else. There is, right? But there are tax advantages now if you're a business owner. At the same time, when you're a business owner, you have total creative freedom. Not so when you're working for someone else. You have a lot of choices to make. These are not new ideas, but Chris has some really strong concepts, and she shares them with me, and I wanted to share them with you. So she also shares her creative process and ways she processes her looks and design aesthetic. This is designer Chris Barrett. Before we get into this conversation with Chris, though, I want to thank you for listening and invite you to join in the conversation. You can find us at Convo by Design on Twitter and at Convo by Design, this time with an X, on Facebook and Instagram. You can also find videos from these conversations on our YouTube channel. Again, search Convo by Design and you'll find over 150 videos from some of your favorite guests, including this one. If you like the show, please send it to a friend so they can join our design community. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. Convo by Design is presented by Snyder Diamond. Designers, architects, and discerning homeowners know that if you're looking for world-class service and the absolute best in kitchen appliances, this is where you go. Why? Well, because Russ Diamond knows his appliances, and that's why he only works with the best, like Sub-Zero, Wolf, and Cove. Have you seen Sub-Zero's built-in over- and under-glass-door refrigerators? Stunning on the outside powerful and smart on the inside. This is the result of over 70 years of research with an air purification system inspired by NASA. Now pair that with a wolf warming drawer. We are talking about food preservation and freshness, as well as making sure that you don't have to reheat. The wolf warming drawer keeps prepared foods hot and flavorful regardless of when soccer practice ends or that conference call runs late. And right now, Sub-Zero, Wolf, and Cove are offering three extra years of protection or a $1,000 rebate on select models thanks to the Grand Kitchen event. These offers are only for a limited time and details do apply, so take control and get all the details to see the full line of Sub-Zero, Wolf, and Cove products. Go to any of the three Los Angeles area Snyder Diamond locations. You can also see the Living Kitchen in the Pasadena and Santa Monica Snyder Diamond showrooms. You are a native Angelino. I am. Which is which is awesome. Um, there are so few of us left. I don't know. I, there's not though. My my kids were born here, so there's a whole new generation of Angelinos. It's so funny because I'm a native Angelino. My wife is from Texas. My son was born here. My daughter was born in Texas. Ah, oh, you're a blended family. We're a blended family, exactly. <laughs> so when did when did you know that design was where you wanted to? plant your flag where you want what you wanted to do you know I didn't I didn't come about it perhaps the way other people did I I was I was an actor for many years obviously if I was a brilliant actor I'd still be an actor um I 
got pregnant and had a child and decided that I should find a career that was more uh, something you could count on. Little did I know being an interior designer is just like being an actor. <laughs> you never know where your next job is coming from. But I, I really liked it. I, I went to UCLA and the first class I, I went to, I got an A. I didn't realize that everyone got an A. <laughs> so, you know, it was great encouragement. That is so funny. And that is so true that, you know, I think that many wouldn't make the connection between design as a creative endeavor and being an actor as a creative endeavor. They're really not that different. They're not. You have to have good people skills to be an interior designer. You need to know how to present your ideas, your thoughts, your vision for a project. It's really important to be able to stand in front of a group and and be comfortable. I am very comfortable doing that, sometimes maybe too comfortable, <laughs> uh, but I, I, I do enjoy it. So out of UCLA. Yes. You were with KAA, was that, was that directly or? No, I had my interior design business for many, many years before they approached me and asked me if I would like to uh, run their interiors uh, division and interiors division. So they bought my company and I went and did that for three years. And I, you know, I loved it. It, it gave me a discipline that I didn't have before. Yes, I went to school and learned I was supposed to do things in a business-like manner, but I, you know, I didn't really do it that way. <laughs> so uh, I learned great process from that experience and organization and how to approach a job and be a lot more professional in the, on the back end. I mean, nobody, I, I hope, none of my clients knew how disorganized I was, but uh, I got the job done. But at KAA, they have a process that's very, very good. And I really learned a lot. I, I learned also that uh, that environment, being a part of a bigger firm, didn't work for me particularly because I kind of was losing my identity. Um, I was more of a, a group identity. So I decided it wasn't for me, but I did love that experience. Let me explore that just a little bit deeper because I think you're touching on something that's really important. Uh, I, I recently uh, had a conversation with Brian Pinkett. He's a partner with Landry Design Group. And their approach is very, it's all about the group. There, there are no real individual standout. In, there's no individualism in, in the company standpoint, in the company structure. And I think that's really interesting. As a creative, tell me about that. Well, and maybe because I was used to being on my own, too. Uh, but I feel like, at least as an interior designer, you need to have your own name because people respond to individuals, not to a company. And I think that it's hard, <clears throat> excuse me, not to have, well, ego-wise, it's difficult not to get the kudos when you've done something. Uh, I think architecturally, perhaps it's different. I don't know. It depends, I guess, on the person. So you went, you went back from that structure 
back to your, you started your, your, your own firm again. Yes. What was it like the second time? It was so much better. I, it was really, it was really good. Of course, it happened during the big crash, the economy crash. I didn't even think about that, of course. Um, but I had an organization uh, component now that worked for me. Excuse me. And uh, it was great. And it was exciting and invigorating. I like new. I move a lot. I, I, I like to start new things. So it was really fun. I found a great office and it was fun. What do you, what do you think you learned from having, having a solo operation to then going and working in, in the group construct? And then going back and starting your own firm again, what were the what were the takeaways that, that you were that you were able to apply that were different? Well, definitely uh, how to how to organize a project. I had now I have a I did before, but now completely different. A huge respect for architects and architecture. It's so difficult. It is a process that is not easy, and I have a huge respect for it. I I think for me, I learned not only about process and how to organize, but how to approach different kinds of creatives like architects and contractors and vendors. It really, it really helped me a lot. So the firm now, um, how, how long has it, has, has it been in existence? My new one? Yeah. Let's see. I guess it's been about six, seven years. Okay. And in that time, you've also started a textile company. Yes. So now we're talking about starting a new firm and a brand new line of, of textiles. So how did that start? And then, you know, more, not more importantly, but, but as fascinating to me is the lines of delineation and running them as two separate companies because you really have to. Yes, and it, as you, as they you are. And as you organize... So how, how did you approach that? Well, again, ignorance is bliss. Uh, I thought it would just be fun. <laughs> I had no idea how much work it is. It's a lot of work, but it's a lot of fun. I really, really enjoy the textiles. The creative aspect of it is it's so direct and you're not designing for a specific client. You're just kind of designing for the world, you hope. Uh, it was yeah, I have a big learning curve. I was talking to a friend of mine today who's just launching her textiles and I I wish I would have had a little bit more guidance when I started, but if you don't know the questions to ask, you can't ask the questions. So I just didn't know any better. But it's been fun. Okay, so that being said, what are three questions you would have asked? had you known the questions to ask? That's a good question. Thank you. Uh, I think I would have asked, how important is it to connect with different showrooms, different parts of the country? I thought I could just be in one showroom and then all the other ones would follow, and that is not how it works. You have to really work the country. Uh, so I would have asked that question. I perhaps I would have uh, tried to obtain a personal loan to subsidize that part of my business because I, I probably would have launched a larger uh, line when I first 
rolled it out. Um, and what else? I think how to approach um, marketing the textiles. You know, what would you suggest I do for that? Because it's, it's all important. There's so much. That's really good advice. And it's interesting, though, because one thing you said is taking out a personal loan as opposed to self-funding. That's yes. really scary. It is scary. You know, again, ignorance is bliss. I had no idea how much it was going to end up costing me to start. I mean, you have, I chose to manufacture all of my own and warehouse them all. And if you're going to warehouse them as a designer, I appreciate things in stock. So I had to make sure I have everything in stock. And you have to consider the cost of the wings that you have to be in the showroom. You have to consider the cost of all the sampling you have to do. And I didn't take any of that in consideration. I just thought, oh, this is fun. I'll do this. And I but I managed it only because I paid incrementally. You know, you make a deposit to the, uh, the where not the warehouse, the uh, the weavers or the printers, um, and then you know when it's finished, then you have to pay the rest. And I manufactured to the money somehow, and I and I made it work. And it's you know it's still a struggle. Every penny I make as a profit goes right back into textiles. And it's interesting because one of the other things that you mentioned, but you can't forget this, is you know working with the showrooms across the country, and you can't work with every showroom across the country. No, which means you have to involve a rep, right, of some sort, and then you're you have to still manage that rep to some degree. Yes, I mean I'm very fortunate. I have someone I hired probably about five years ago. Her name is. Demi Davis Snetter. She came from Needler uh, and she is so great with all the showrooms and she really manages the the levels of inventory that we have, makes sure everybody gets their samples, she gets the wing, she organizes all, I mean, I honestly, I couldn't do it without her. <laughs> and, and so that therein lies the lesson too, right, is is being able, that's one thing that I, it's a gift and a talent to be able to relinquish a certain amount, that modicum of control necessary to remain, to maintain your sanity. Yes. And to maintain the business. <laughs> yes. There's so much to do. I mean, if you're an interior designer, you have to work your jobs. You can't drop that. You have to continue working while you're doing the textiles. So, I'm I, I'm very lucky. I found someone who's really good. You have to have someone really good to run that aspect of your business, or it just causes you more problems. So away from the from that side of the business, and back to the other side of the business. And by the way, the the two are or are inextricably tied together. But I wanted to talk to you about because I, I got sort of an idea looking at your textiles and looking at your styles and looking at some of the work you've done with these pops of vibrant color and inspiration sort of Moroccan inspiration here and you can tell that there's a lot of things that you've a lot of inspiration that you've taken from sort of a global approach and I'm I'm going to assume now that there's a fair amount of travel involved in that yes I do try to travel a lot uh, I certainly my trip to Morocco uh, a few years ago really influenced one of my collections very heavily 
I travel, you just have to do it. I think as a person, you grow so much when you travel. So there's, that takes time too, away from your interior design business. So you have to force yourself to just make that time. Where, where's your favorite destination? Z, plural. Z, z. <laughs> um, I would say Paris is my all-time favorite city that I've been to. Uh, I love, love, love going there. I love going to New York. Um, I just love New York. I think it's great. Um, there's so many places to go. So with Paris, have you been to Maison? Yes. You have? Yes. What do you think of the show? For me, I'm glad I went. I only went once, but it, it didn't relate to me that much. I mean, yes, you see a new product and it's fun, but I don't have a store to buy the product for, although now I do have chrisbarrettcurated.com, um, but it just, doesn't make, it just didn't make sense for me. Maybe if I was showing there or something, it would be different, but no. You're listening to my conversation with designer Chris Barrett. We're talking about travel creation and development of a product line and the business of design. Great information and a phenomenal resource. I love bringing you stories from amazing design pros like Chris. We all need good advice, inspiration, and fresh new ideas. Here's another resource I hope you take advantage of. It's Article. I've been telling you about Article for a few weeks now. Article is an online-only furniture company inspired by mid-century style and Scandinavian simplicity. As a design trade professional, you're going to love the style and quality of Article Furniture, and so are your clients. Here's the best part. Article has created a trade program specifically for busy designers like you. Check this out. Joining the trade program is absolutely free, and there is no minimum for you to start receiving trade discounts. None. Exclusive designer pricing that cannot be found elsewhere um, for less, and they offer a standard one-year warranty on all Article Furniture. Okay, now the shipping. This has been a huge pain point for many of the designers I talk to, and you're going to love this. The shipping. Flat rate in most cases, if not free, and it's fast. Stock items. Ship in two weeks or less. So what are you waiting for? Sign up for this now and make your job easier by working with partners who get you. They understand your challenges. They handle special invoicing, tax-exempt purchasing, and the customer service is staffed by design professionals. Which is awesome, because here's what this means. These are real people who know what you're trying to accomplish, and they have the authority to help you get what you need. So sign up for Article's trade-only program right now. Go to cxd.article.com. CXD, as in Convo by Design, cxd.article.com. Thank you, Article. Okay, back to my conversation with designer Chris Barrett. Chris shares some remarkable insight on how she views product materials and marketing through the prism of a product manufacturer and as a designer. That's interesting too. Um, because when you, when you look at, when you look at product as a manufacturer, as a, as a manufacturer, as a, as a purveyor of product now, do you view it differently? Yes. Unfortunately, I view everything differently. You know, if you go to a movie and you critique the sets, um, you go to, people's houses and I try really hard for not to critique my friends houses um, but you know it's just part of who you are eventually yeah I guess that's true changing gears a little bit uh, Palm Springs yes and modernism Week. yes 
So you've, you've got some exposure out there this year. Well, I'm doing the Modernism uh, House this year. I'm doing an area out... Christ Christopher Kennedy's. Christopher Kennedy's yeah. compound, yeah. yes. And I'm doing an area out on... Uh, I guess it's the backside of the lawn area. There's... It's, I'm calling it the fire pit lounge uh, because there's a fire pit. <laughs> I, I've never done this show before, so it's been fun. I had the opportunity to use my textiles, which made sense to me when we're using uh, outdoor performance, all environment textiles. And I just saw a photograph of the umbrella that Santa Barbara Designs did that looks so good. I'm just so excited. I love this. How many show houses have you done? Two. And... What, what are your thoughts about, digging dig a little deeper on this, the, the thoughts about the show house experience from not necessarily as the, as the event goer as they, as they walk through, but from a designer's perspective. Having covered so many, they're so different and every, every designer, every participant has a, has a different spin on their experience and, and the experiential value that goes into a show house. I'm curious what yours is. Well. Obviously, I've been in business a long time, and I've only done two. Uh, so uh, it's not a huge experience. But the first one I did was uh, with Richard Landry. He was the architect. The house was spectacular. And it was really fun, very Moroccan-inspired. And I loved it. It's, but it's been a long time since I've done this. I really, when Christopher asked me to do modernism, uh, I jumped at the chance because I think it's it's right up my alley. Uh, I live in a mid-century house, and I have all these textiles that would work. Um, but for me, to be honest, this time it's strictly it's for marketing for my textiles. It's not about marketing myself as an interior designer. Um, I mean, certainly I would be thrilled if someone saw this space and said, oh, my gosh, I have to have her. She's fabulous. Um, but really, it's about the fabrics. It, it's an interesting perspective because I, I guess as I'm thinking through this, it really is the same thing. You're still showcasing. Yes, definitely. You're still showcasing your, and by the way, it's, it's, it's fun for me to watch this happen all in real time because uh, very fond of Christopher. Christopher was a designer on my very first design house that I produced. Wow. And it was the small space, big style, uh, showcase house for California Home and Design and he did he did this magnificent living room and he was a joy to work with and so it's really fun to watch him doing his own project and it seems it, it seems to always be when he does it very well run very well organized and a, and a fun project to to see at the end and so I think that what's really interesting too is the perspective of those that are like you that are involved in it from the business side of it, not necessarily the enjoyment side of it, um, and, and how it, and how it works for you. So, what was your approach to your to your fire pit lounge? <laughs> well, you know, this area is so much easier than anywhere indoors. First of all, I have no walls to think about. Right. I have a hedge. I'm not decorating the hedge. I have a slab of concrete that's scored, <clears throat> and a fire pit, a sectional, and a chair and an umbrella, and then accessories. So my approach was 
really how do I draw people out to that area? What do I do to make people want to go there? So it was about my selection of colors and textures and I I think that will be successful um we'll see yeah interesting again you know I I love the flow of this conversation that we're having because we you know we talked about a few things before talking about the business and talking about you know how you talk about attraction and you talk about trying to get people to come out to view and enjoy a space it's the same way in trying to attract potential new clients absolutely and new customers and people to come and enjoy what it is that you're providing and it's getting so much tougher it is there are so many people out there everybody is competing for the same thing and there's a lot of people out there now that they decorate their own house and they put it on Instagram and all of a sudden they're an interior designer getting work and it's very frustrating. <laughs> well, it is, and and you know my my disdain for for social media is is fairly well known. You know, I am I am there um, because I feel that I need to be right because um, it is a, it is a communications tool. But at the same time, you know, having conversations with designers and architects and product manufacturers and set decorators, you don't have the time to spend no it, because to do social media correctly and I, I've in all the conversations that I've had with people who know social media well everyone has said the amount of time that one needs to put into this and basically you're when when you get into social media you at any level you are a publisher right and you have to decide to what degree and what level you want to be a publisher you know, is it another job or is it something just to showcase your work? No, it's a job. It's definitely a job. So how do, how do you approach this and not, and not let it take your sanity as well? Oh, well, if you wouldn't have said the last part of it, it does take my sanity. It's really hard. There are some weeks I'm really good at it and some weeks I don't do anything. I just... I just do the best I can. Do you think it's? Do you think social media has helped you, or I can reframe the question and say, what has helped you generate new clients, new business, um, either either on the retail side or, or or on the on the design side? Well, on the design side, I don't believe that social media has done anything for me to get me work. My work has all come word of mouth from clients' friends from architects, contractors, etc. Uh, on textiles, I'm hoping that, but there's no way to to know really. You can't quantify it. Uh, but I'm, we have Chris Barrett Textiles has its own Instagram account, and you know, hopefully, other designers are following it and going, "Oh yes, I I love that fabric. I should use that for such and such." So hopefully, it helps in that sense. What do you recommend new designers? What do you recommend to new designers, to, to those just getting into the business? What would you, if, if, if Chris was starting out today, what would you tell her? I would tell her, don't work for yourself when you start out. Go work for someone else. I did not work for someone else. I just started um, working for myself. I had like, young children and, you know, it just, it worked better for me. But you can learn so much from working with another designer. I mean... You can make mistakes on another designer's dollar 
than rather than your own. You can learn so much. A really good designer. I mean, it's not easy to get a job in a really good designer's office. Yeah, it's so funny because you, you. I was thinking the exact. It really is better to make mistakes on somebody else's oh, dime. So than much I, better, right? So, some of your favorite projects. Do you have Do you have favorites? It's funny too. And I, while you're thinking, I, I've spoken to designers who have said. Uh, oh yes, and here's what they are, and they'll just rattle off, you know, three to five, and it's like I love these, and here's why, and then it's like, no, I love them all equally. Oh no, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I don't love them <laughs> no, all. No, you equally. don't. You're just not telling me. <laughs> yes, um, and usually my favorite projects are the one I'm ones I'm doing right now because they're exciting and it's fun to start something new. I am starting a new project uh, up north a bit, and that's exciting for me. It's an exciting architect it's a historical project and it's really going to be great but I mean I did a project for it you know what the favorite projects are the ones that have the best clients okay I the because usually then you get a good working relationship and you you produce a product that is all the better when a client is great I mean great can mean a lot of things they can either be completely hands-off or they can be so much fun to be with that they make it better. Give me your thoughts on one of the things I've become really fascinated with lately. And it's funny, too, because as a native Angelina, of which you are as well. Yes. The, the California lifestyle. I don't, I don't know of many states or locations internationally, for that matter, that have a lifestyle that is inextricably tied to the geographic location. It's really different in Southern California. I feel like my textiles also reflect my being from Southern California. It's it's a different approach. There's different lighting. It's a lifestyle. I mean, we live outdoors. Uh, so it's it really makes a difference. And I've done projects all over the country and I, I bring it there as well, but it's it's slightly different. Do you what do you think of the state of California design? Let me preface this by saying you you have the the quote unquote California lifestyle, which is which is really a a pure form of indoor outdoor mm-hmm. living that can be tied into mid century modern traditional. Spanish. So much, It yes. really doesn't matter what, what type of architecture you're talking about. It seems to, it, that is that California lifestyle. It doesn't, you know, you'll, you'll, hear, you'll hear chic, you'll hear cozy, you'll hear easygoing, you'll hear, you'll hear boho, not so much anymore. <laughs> uh, transitional, not so much anymore. But, you know, it, even no matter how, how pure you stay to any particular type of architecture, that California lifestyle is, is pervasive within the sort of the function of it and how you use it indoor outdoor that being said the design styles between southern california and northern california change dramatically you still have pockets like a like a santa barbara area mm-hmm. which, which is true to a unique spanish spanish revival spanish colonial spanish the spanish influence definitely you know, pasadena same thing very very similar in that regard palm springs very loyal to that mid-century modern but aside from that you know the, California's changing 
um, Southern California in particular, because of mobility and because of other issues, are changing so dramatically. I'm curious, what, and when I say the word trends, you know, some people go, well, I don't follow trends. But you kind of have to follow trending activities and trending design, because that, that really is where we're going. I'm just curious, what are you seeing? You know, I feel as though the people who contact me are looking definitely for that specifically indoor outdoor living aspect but i feel like design now because it's so accessible to the whole world it's gotten a lot more global so for me trends i don't necessarily follow trends either i i try to be true to what feels classic but there's certain there are colors that are trending and People who hire me want what what they think I can give them, which is that kind of California chic, easy, approachable, livable space. What are you What are you crushing on right now? You. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you are very kind. I'm crushing on. Yeah. Not not a lot. I mean, I just. To be honest, everything kind of feels all the same all of a sudden. So there's not, there was a big mid-century trend um, that I definitely crushed on that for a long time. But I don't know, I guess I'm just waiting for something new. It's, it's, it's fascinating to me too because, you know, years ago you'd have the Pantone color of the year. Now we've got, I think, four, five companies doing col Always, color yes. of the year. And they're not all the same. No. <laughs> Um, last year and the year before, jewel tones were the thing, mm -hmm. and I don't I don't dislike jewel. Tones. I think some you know some are going to be classic forever, just depending on. It's more about how you use them than definitely right. Yes, but at the same time, and I, I blame social media for this. People tend to love the idea of a list. You know, here are the top five things you have to have in your home this right. year. Design was never made for for annual consumption. No, not at all. Right? Yes. It's really about an individual and how you live, how you want to function, what you respond to. Design, for me, is about creating a space and a feeling that elevates its inhabitants. I mean, it makes their life better than they could have ever imagined. So now I'm gonna, final question for you is, kind of like this, this whole futurist role in looking specifically at California, mm -hmm. LA in particular, with regard to design, and I'll back up a second, I was telling you my story about, you know, my, my first career and that commute from the South Bay to the far end of the San Fernando Valley. <laughs> nightmare. Which, which is just, it was, it was an absolute nightmare. It was brutal. Um, mobility is a major issue. Uh, housing cost is a major issue. Yes. Um, you know, weather now, we've, we've got weather issues here in Southern California that, that we haven't had to deal with in years past that we have to know. Drought, yeah, drought's always been a thing, but not as extreme as it is now. We, have, we go from this whipsaw of extreme drought to flooding conditions, to fire conditions. Uh, it, how does design, 
how does architecture how does housing interiors how do how do those responsible for creating how we live address you can't address climate change it is it is what it is no you should do whatever you should do but you can address to how you adapt to it and how you live within the, the new the new rules yes I mean certainly landscape wise you can address it um, you can address it with the types of windows you put in your house you can certainly address it with some fabrics now I know that my fabric line there's a lot of all environment fabrics but that entails um, not natural fabrics which isn't the best for the environment I know but some I want to say 90% of people want fabrics that are impervious to everything so they last forever they look good forever and that's difficult I I struggle with that because I really feel like my favorite things are linen and velvets and mohair and I like things to be a lot more natural so environmentally I think this doesn't do much for my textiles. Well, yeah, and I and I take that back. This is not a this is not a green or non-green question. This is not an an environmentalist question. It's more of a livability question. It's more of a, you know, I, I and I guess I'm kind of answering my own question as I go, and it requires more work for you as, <laughs> as the designer. Is the, you have to research more. Mm -hmm. You know, the the industry has to do more to create new and different types of products to fit into a new and ever-changing lifestyle. True, true. And we also have to keep in mind that whatever we do create needs to work 10 years from now. It, it needs, it really, if you're creating something new, it needs to be a classic. It doesn't have to be an old classic, but it needs to be a classic. That is such a great point. What is your definition? What is a formal definition of, of a classic? Because you're absolutely right. It doesn't have to, it, you can have an instant classic. Absolutely. It's something, for me, it's something that you respond to immediately and it feels good. It's a feeling. It isn't necessarily a style. It really is a feeling. And for me, classic is simple, clean lines, no matter what it is. Is it a chair? Is it a rug? It's a lot of things. And, and as they say, this is going to be an instant classic. I have absolutely loved <laughs> the time we got to spend together. Thank you. Thank you. Convo by Design is proud to be working with Vendome Furniture. Design culture it's the key to their success. It's what pushes them to consistently create new collections that give spaces a new dimension. They create dialogue between environment and form. Vendome pieces can transform the simplest space into one filled with glamour that is both unique and extraordinary. And isn't that what design is all about? Creating atmospheres where you can take hold of life and enjoy it to the fullest? Vendome products are simple and elegant contemporary and exceptionally comfortable. Their crafted, modern, durable, molded resin, glass, and metal designs are unique and they beg to be enjoyed. They search the planet for the right designers that embody the Vendome spirit and work together to create remarkable pieces into an exclusively Vendome mode of expression.
And if you haven't seen Van Damme before, you can check them out in uh, some of the Convo by Design videos you'll find on our YouTube channel. But you can find them in their showrooms at the D&D Building in New York, Wynwood in Miami, and the Pacific Design Center here in L.A. Or online at vondamme.com.